Welcome back, guys and gals, to another episode of the Nomads of Tomorrow. This is episode four, and today's guest, we're going to backtrack a little bit. I actually surround myself, surprisingly, with a lot of music producers, and you'll come to find out in more of the podcasts that I have to come. So today's guest is actually another music producer, which is actually one of my close friends as well. And his name is George Benura. Welcome, George. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you for having oh. me. We've known each other for how long already? About... Let's say almost five years. Almost five years? Yeah. Another person I met through Verizon as well. Mm-hmm. And how did the whole interaction came of us meeting and talking and then like becoming friends, you should say? Well, I think once we got transferred to the same store was when we really started to become friends. We... uh we started to relate on our, uh, you know, love of music, um, and we just started hanging out, getting, uh, you know, some food here and there, and then uh, the rest of history, we just became good friends after that. And then uh, I've been on a lot of your projects and everything when it came to, like, the whole designing aspect as well, which was, all- correct. Which was awesome. Uh, George was actually the first person that kind of, like, believed in me to use After Effects, <laughs> which was, is one of the programs that I loathe, but... It's an amazing program, but yeah. even then, it was just like, uh, I think it was you you and uh, Tommy, mm-hmm. you had came to the idea, they're like, hey, Juan, can you do that? And I was like, uh, I don't think I can. And you're like, yeah, you could do make that. Make it happen. Yeah, make it happen. <laughs> make it happen. And I was just like stuck, and then I, and I figured it out, and yeah, after that, uh, I helped him on a bunch of a, a different designs, videos, artworks, snippets, promo artwork, videos, yeah. mm-hmm. photo shoots. I came to... I went with you to a bunch of your shows as well, Mm -hmm. which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like you said, the rest was history. Mm -hmm. So George, welcome to Nomads of Tomorrow. So walk us a little bit about a day in the life of a producer. A day in the life of a producer, it involves a lot of music and a lot of food. (laughs) A lot of food. Good food, hopefully. Yeah, once you're in the studio, all you think about besides working on music is what are you going to eat next? A lot of snacks. Uh, maybe that's just me. I don't know, but I'm always eating. I'm always drinking, and then just, just working on music, different instruments, different vibes, different environments, and then uh, just kind of go from there. And then music. How was it kind of introduced into your life? Like where where did where did it start? Um, so music for me started. I would say I really got into it maybe when I was around ten or eleven years old. I had a cousin that came over to our house from Indiana, and he had the Usher My Way album. And that was the album that first got me into understanding music and really, really enjoying it. I grew up with four older sisters, and they loved R&B as well. And that also helped listening to Aaliyah, you know, Tamia, Maya, all those artists, R&B artists growing up. Definitely a lot of female singers. Um, and uh, I listened to nothing but R&B and pop, you know, to first um, get into music. When I was in middle school, I... Uh, I used to play soccer a lot, and one of the guys I played soccer with, he was into punk bands and, like, hardcore, and I got into that. So I was into, um, you know, like, Bad Religion, uh, (laughs) Anti-Flag, Black Flag, just a bunch of, like, punk bands, and um, that whole scene, which is something you don't expect a little brown kid listening to, you know? It was pretty funny. And then um, when I joined high school, I... um, so when I joined my first band, 
I think it was my freshman year, I think sophomore year of high school. I was in my first band. Uh, we were we were a uh, a hardcore metal band, and then I joined another one when I was in my senior year of high school, and then um, I joined the uh, the last band I was in, which is like a pop rock alternative band, right out of high school, and then that was the one that had um, a little bit of commercial success, and then that was the end of that phase. What what kind of had you like kind of stray away from it though? Um, so the last band I was in, we were doing pretty well, and um, from what I was told, it was an, a small label, like an indie label, wanted to sign us and have us go on tour. They wanted us to put out another project with them, and when that happened, I approached my parents. I said, "This is the opportunity that I want to do," and they were not having it <laughs> at all. They were like, "You need to get out of this music stuff. You need to finish college," and that's how the band stuff ended. I. Um, I just told my band, I said, hey, um, I can't do this stuff anymore, especially if we're going to go on tour. You guys got to find my replacement. Simple as that. And that that's the moment I left. And how how, how did you feel about the that whole, that whole phase of you from coming to the idea of your friend that played soccer with you to just kind of like shutting the doors on it? It was tough, man. Um, definitely closing the doors on that was very, very tough because... Like, that was my whole life from the middle school, pretty much, besides soccer. That's all I would do. I would, you know, play with my friends, uh, different bands and all this stuff like that, and um, just play soccer. That was my entire life. So once I cut off half of it, it was very, very tough for me until I eventually filled that void. And when did you pick it up again? Well, the band stuff I never picked up after that, really. Well, just the music. The music stuff, probably... um, I would say three months later was when, oh, yeah, long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't that much longer. Um, I was lost, man. I didn't know what, I was, I didn't know what to do. So that's when the DJ uh, stuff started to pick up after that. That's so, we went from the band to the break into um, the whole DJ culture. And then, do you still remember the first time you ever kind of said, hey, I'm a DJ? And what, what kind of like led you to yeah, I remember the exact moment. So what happened was um, I was hanging out with a bunch of friends and we were going to the Lucky Strike in the Dalma Mall when we had it. Oh, when it, okay. Yeah, and okay. I remember they I had like Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike, yeah. We had, uh, they had college nights there. So it was like 18, uh, 18 and uh, older um, college nights. And then the guy that um, was DJing at the event, at this point in my life, I was a beach bum. Like, I was literally, I used to be at the beach every single day, four or five hours, played volleyball, surfing, just being at the beach every single day. And the guy, one of the guys I used to go to the beach with, he was the DJ at these parties. And then I went there, I said hi to him. I said, hey, do you mind if I uh, come in the booth with you and just watch what you're doing? And then he had me go into the booth. I got to see him do what he was doing. And then he had the whole party kind of having a good time, playing the music he wanted to play. I said, okay, this is what you do? He's like, yeah, I, you know, I play you know, a few gigs a week, play the music I want to play. They pay me pretty well. And I said, this is pretty interesting. I think this is something I kind of want to do. So um, literally, I think within that same week, I went on Craigslist, bought a pair of Technique turntables um, from some guy in Pasadena. And then I drove home. I did not know what to plug in. I just spent $600 on a pair of turntables, a mixer, and did not know what I was doing at all 
So I had to watch videos online, look some stuff up on internet, and you know, where does this plug go into? Where does this RCA go into? Like, what kind of cables do I need? I need I need turntables. I need mixers. I need like needles. I need records. Like, what do you need records for? Like, what's Serato? Like, I knew nothing. It was just I wanted to do it. I bought stuff and I went from there. So going back to forth to Best Buy Guitar Center. Yeah, man, just online Guitar Center, online Guitar Center, online stuff Guitar Center, and then just uh, slowly picking it up day by day. I had my first gig two months later, and I played a, a Halloween party for all my friends. I think I charged it fifty dollars for the whole night. <laughs> 50 hey, bucks start somewhere yeah it was my first party ever i think i did it for free and then she was like i'll give you 50 bucks just for coming out i said okay cool dude i was freaking out the entire time i did not know what i was doing um i was so nervous and then it was a halloween party and then i was dressed as billy mays the oxyclean guy <laughs> yeah yeah and i did that and then uh i didn't know what i was doing and luckily there were a couple other like local djs in the area that came and saw me kind of freaking out. They helped me. Mm-hmm. And I still remember that. One of the guys' name was uh, DJ23. He plays in a bunch of uh, spots in Long Beach and okay. that L.A. area. But I still remember him because he helped me that one time. But, uh, yeah, ever since that first gig, or from the moment I bought myself, it was just hours and hours in my room practicing. Just getting my craft right and starting to uh, you know, build up my confidence. That was the biggest thing. Because you're in front of anywhere from, you know, it could be a small gig from 10 people to like 2,000 people. And you got to be able to rock that crowd. When was your first big crowd that you ever like experienced? Um, my first big crowd was Zen Lounge in Hermosa Beach. So it's closed right now, but they have all the bars in Hermosa. But when you drive up um, Pier Avenue, right before PCH, there was a, a place right across the street from the skate park called okay. Zen Lounge. And uh, I have an older cousin that uh, DJs. He's in his about his 40s now, but he used to play there when it was like in his hot, like heyday, in his prime. And then um, they needed someone to fill in for a birthday party and then uh, got called in to play that gig. I think I was 19, 19 at that point. And I think the party was for someone else, like, I think 40 years old. That was my first big crowd because I think it was 150, 200 people inside that club. And then this is maybe like, three, four months into me, like, uh, DJing, so I kind of knew what I was doing a little bit. I knew the basics, so I rocked that crowd. The manager, at that point, he said, hey, you actually did a really, really good job, so um, do you mind if we call you back for other events? And I kind of became the resident for a while, and that's when I, that's when I really started to gain my confidence, because I was pretty much there every Friday and Saturday night for probably a good couple months. Okay. Yeah. Do you know the gigs, get, gaining your confidence and everything? And just becoming a DJ. Mm-hmm. When did you kind of like decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to make mixes. I'm going to make music. I'm going to start producing. And how long did that take? I would say the first thing that I got into was making mixes. Um, I started making live mixes and I had to edit them. So then I had I got into That's when I really got into Ableton. Um, when I was in high school, I started making beats. But I'll use Reason. I think free loops on a couple of records, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I still actually have those records too. I made like two or three <laughs> of them. But uh, yeah, I started making mixes. I needed Ableton to kind of edit it, um, put my drops here and there that I kind of forgot during the mix. So that's when I really got into that. I would say that was probably a year, a year and a half into the music, into the DJing stuff. I would say two to three years into it was when I said I need to start making myself, um, 
my own identity when it comes to my sets. So that's when I started making my own custom edits, custom bootlegs, custom remixes. And um, I did a couple uh, bootleg packs, a couple edit packs. Like I put on a bunch of record pools and I saw people like them. So I started, I kept making them, started passing them out. And then they started getting some good feedback. So that's when I really got into kind of production. But I this at that point, I didn't really make anything original. It was mainly edits, remixes from other people's music. And then I know now you're working like a, I can't even count how many projects you've been doing for the past, <laughs> not even like year, just the past couple months. But even then, I, I know it takes time, hard work and just dedication and just a matter of consistency. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a lot, a lot of it. Yeah. But where'd you land on the name that you had for your first project? And I mean, it's still, it's still stuck to you so long, which is, uh, Barood. Barood pretty much, it means, um, the technical term is gunpowder in Arabic, ignite. So lit. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the way actually I found the name was I had to help one of my buddies move from one house to the other. And, um, I had gone to his house and he had a dog. I think he had a pit bull or something like that. And then I, I said, what's your dog's name? He's like, he's like uh, he told me Barut. And I said, oh, wow. Like, what does that mean? He's like, oh, it means uh, like ignite. And then he's like, that's what you name these really aggressive, like almost like badass dogs back home, back overseas. And I said, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm like, do you mind if I use the name? He's like, for what? I'm like, oh, for my DJ name. Because at that point, I was trying to figure out my name. And then it just kind of came about. And that's what I, because I wanted to do something with my heritage as well. And, uh, it just kind of Palestinian, yeah. So I wanted I wanted to do that, and it just kind of stuck. It was fun, you know. People think like, people always think it's my last name. Yeah, which yeah. is not. They <laughs> always think it's my last name, but yeah, it's it's my uh, my stage name, I guess. Yeah, and it's funny because I mean, since the moment I met you, I know Barutus has been stuck on you f- yeah. for the entire. There's, there's people that don't either. don't even know me as George. They call me Barud. Barud. Yeah. Or even like, even when it comes to me talking to you, talking about you. They'll be like, oh, George Barood? Yeah. Like, Barood, no, Banura. There's been multiple times where I'll, I'll introduce myself to people as as George. And then they'll just think I'm a normal person. Well, yeah. I, mean, I am, but they'll, <laughs> they'll think I'm just a normal guy named George. And someone else will call me Barood, and they're like, oh, wait, you're you're him? Like, you're Barood? And then you're I'm like, the I'm, I'm, <laughs> but I'm like, no, like, I'm, I always introduce myself as George. And then, you know, they find out who I am as when it comes to the music stuff later. Stuff yeah. Me introduce myself as a person first rather than an artist what what other project did you do right after you cho- kind of chose the name of Barood or like who did you start uh start working with yeah so after I started doing the whole edits and bootlegs um I I met up with why well, I met a friend uh a DJ strip um and then we started working on a bunch of uh music together because he actually was the one that was playing a bunch of my edits and bootlegs and stuff so I linked up with him, and then we started making a bunch of edits and bootlegs together. And then we started doing remixes, and um, then we started a, uh, a D- DJ duo called Saber, which is uh, was actually called Strip and Brood Remixes, because we were only going to do remixes at the time. Right. So and that's, it's spelled S-A-B-R. Yes. Not which e. is Yeah, which has got very S-A-B-R. confusing, <laughs> because there is a guy named Saber, S-A-B-E-R, from San Diego, and he had confronted us about it. Um, I remember that day you guys we were at, we were at the studio we were at uh, our district yeah. and uh, <laughs> you showed me the message of this guy literally the only thing he sent you guys was question mark question mark yeah <laughs> what's what's funny I only think I told you about this but I met him a couple months ago and I brought that story up 
No way. And I said, dude, um, I need to tell you something. He's like, well, I just met him like two minutes before that. Okay. And then uh, I was with um, Omar. We went to an HMC event. Uh, it was a Tanache listening party. So we were out there for that. Okay. And then uh, he, uh, I met him and we started talking for a little bit. And then I found out he was SABR from San Diego, which now lives in LA. He's actually out here now. So I said, hey, bro, I need to tell you something. I'm like, do, do you remember there was a, like a DJ duo from LA, SABR, they were making a bunch of stuff. And then he's like, yeah, man, those guys, we were always getting confused, <laughs> this and that. And I'm like, well, I'm one of them. Like this, it's me, it was me. As, he, as he you was, walk out slowly yeah. and like you just drift in the fog. Yeah, it, it was so funny. We, we, had, we had a really good laugh about it. We went to go get some food and we just had a good time and uh yeah, he's, his stuff's really, really good. I'm a big fan of his music. Okay, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, he's, he's a really cool guy. So, being under the DJ duo Sabre, when was your guys' first gig? I think our first gig, it was at Chateau in Vegas. It was our, I think that was our first gig together. Yeah, it was at Chateau inside the Paris Hotel in Vegas. We got that from our friend uh, Brian Bayati, DJ Bayati. I went to high school with him. And uh, he was into the whole... Um, DJ club circuit out here in LA before he moved out to Vegas. Tommy knew him as well, DJ Strip. And uh, was, uh, wasn't he? Yeah, he got the the rate for like best DJ in South Bay multiple years. Multiple years. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember that. Yeah, shout out Bayati. Yeah, he's one of the best <laughs> things that ever come out of uh, Torrance, especially um, as far as DJs go. Just personality. No one can rock a crowd like him. It's ridiculous. He has energy that no one can like match at all. I've I've witnessed it at I've all. Been... Um. So the first, yeah, the first time we ever played there, um, we played the rooftop at Chateau. So we played our first actual remix together. We remixed an Aaliyah One in a Million remix, which comes back to my R&B roots, which is Correct. something I've always wanted to do. Correct. We made a, because uh, the DJ duo was mainly, it was, we're making Future House type of tracks, but uh, we kind of played open format records. So it's kind of a mixture of everything. But uh, that was the first gig that we had together. Then we did a couple more gigs at Chateau. Played a festival at the beach in Hermosa. No, I mean Huntington Beach. Played a few other shows here and there. And then um, the last gig we did um, at Chateau was for J-Lo. When they did the whole... Um, they were announcing Jennifer Lopez's uh, Las Vegas show. Oh, I remember that's, that. Yeah, okay. that's, they announced her show that night. That I played there, that we technically played there, and then... Um, Wait, was that the weekend we went? Mm-hmm. That was, it was the uh, weekend of the Fitness Expo, too. Yes, Were you there? Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and so then... Wait, uh, when we had to pick up Tommy from Huntington Beach? Possibly. I think so. Yeah, yeah. and we drove to Vegas at what time? Uh, like 2, 3 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. We, we went to... We met up here. We drove to Huntington Beach, because uh, Tommy was playing... Picked him up, then went to Vegas. And well, not we didn't pick him up first. We hung out with him at the club, yeah, at the club. So we spent like a good an hour and a half. No, more than that. A couple hours, like a couple hours. Yeah, we were there for a while. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then we drove to Vegas. I think we ended up uh, getting to Biotti's house at six, seven in the morning. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, but yeah, that was that show was when I made the choice to really focus on production because her manager, J-Lo's manager, had walked up to me and told me to play J-Lo music for 30 minutes straight. Mm, okay. And I was playing J-Lo stuff. And uh, the whole crowd knew every single ly- song, every single lyric. And that's when I told myself, I want that instead of playing in someone else's stuff. I want people to sing back my songs. Song. And that's when 
I always wanted to do the original stuff. I kind of dabbled into it before, but that's when I really, really made the choice. And then at that point, I was in my last semester of college. And then uh, I told myself the moment I graduated college, I wanted to really focus on music and making it. And I know you played a few times at Chateau. How did it feel when you when you first saw your picture and and Tom and Tommy next to you on a billboard? That was crazy. The whole billboard stuff is nuts. Um, just walking, literally driving down the street or walking down the street, and then you look up, and then there's a picture of you with you know your friend. You make music together, and you're on a billboard in Vegas. It's very very surreal. You don't expect it. Um, a lot of people that saw it afterwards, and when I posted it, they're like, that's Photoshop, that's fake, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's just, you know, we, we got here. I said, all thanks to our friend Brian um, that really helped us get there. But it was fun, and it was crazy, like, walking in the actual ca- uh, casino itself. And then we were in, like, the, the billboards in the casino as well. I remember, uh, oh, no, that was, uh, that was when I landed in the airport. It was probably there, too. It was Brian's billboard. Oh, yeah. uh, Like, the little poster. Yeah. Like, oh, who's playing tonight? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, I know how I felt because I know you guys, and, I mean, it felt amazing. I I can't just imagine how you guys feel when you see that, and, I mean, it's a a great feeling. That was one of my goals. As a DJ, Mm -hmm. I wanted to, obviously, just be able to have your own billboard. Um, That was... The game changer for me because it just it showed that all the hard work was paying off and we were on the right track and we were in the right direction. We were going, um, everything was kind of in like a positive way for us and it was uh, it was definitely a rewarding feeling that I'll never forget. And I know you still you're still working on like your ultimate dream. And when it came to production and music, did you ever go to school for it? Um, yeah, so pretty much when I got out of college, um, I joined a music production camp called uh, Matrix Sessions in LA. Um, I started going there because Tommy went there first, and then he learned more about music in about a month period than I taught him in about a year. And I said, <laughs> okay, like, what is, what's going on there? What are they teaching you? So I did that for uh, a couple months, and then once I finished the program, I was there for you know long periods of time just working, working, working. Um, I was doing some teaching over there too. They hired me as an instructor. I was doing that for a while and then um, just decided to really focus on myself after that. Just kind of branch off and then really, really put in the music, uh, put in the work for the music that I really want to do and focus my 100% effort into that. So also when it um, when it comes to music, I mean, like we all get inspired in like so many different ways. I mean, me, myself, I mean, when it came to doing like all my videos, and productions that I, I did for like a couple of my friends and com- businesses as well, it always came to be where I, I had to listen to the song that I was using first before actually filming what I was going to film. Now you yourself, I mean, you've been doing music for for years now. Mm-hmm. What, who would you say is like a, a like a big inspiration that you have that you had or still have to this day, and inspiration that you've gained? from others um obviously i would just say um my biggest inspiration as far as producers go from the from the timberlands to um the pharrells to the skrillexes to the brian michael cox who's one of my favorite producers ever because he made a bunch of the original usher stuff and mariah carey and just enormous amount of r&b hits um that's where i get a lot of my inspiration as far as like production goes um but i mean i'll get inspiration from anything like it'll it'll come out of no, like nothing i'll be in a random area and i'll 
DNID and I'll bring out the voice memo um, app on my phone and just hum melodies and hum harmonies and all of a sudden I'll get back into the studio and be able to recreate it because you never know where you'll hit inspiration. You'll be in a park. Yeah, like just sampling stuff. Yeah. Just um, like I remember when I went to, um, I was in Europe 2017 um, working on an album that I was finishing up um, uh, and I wanted to make a song of every city that we were in. So we went to Paris, went to Amsterdam, went to London. And I, I sampled different um, things that were happening in different cities. I think when I was in Paris, I sampled a guy playing uh, I think trumpet trumpet or violin in a tunnel. And then I uh, I recorded him, I sampled it, made a song around it. And then um, and then London, I forgot, what, I forgot what it was in London, but I did the same kind of concept there and in Amsterdam. Just, Big Ben? Yeah. <laughs> the clock. Yeah, it's just you, you just you never know what you what's gonna spark inspiration at all. So um, it's, that's why we have our phones now. We can always record it, and then when you get back into the recording studio later, you can just create from there. Now, during all this time, doing gigs, producing, working with different people to, on different types of projects, did you ever feel like this wasn't for you? Um, not not really. This wasn't for me. Um, I felt multiple times of kind of giving up, but. The moment that you go away from it, it grabs you back. As weird as it sounds, like I've when in those three months that I was done doing my band stuff and I was finding the next outlet, I was craving just anything music related. And then the moment I found, you know, DJing was when I kind of got fulfilled again. But anytime I kind of get, I always tell myself when I'm like focusing on music like nonstop, you know, sixteen hour days of just nonstop working for like a week straight. I said, okay, cool, I'm going to give myself a day or two to break, and I'll get back to it. But it never really happens. So you always get sucked back into it. I think it's just because the passion or, um, I mean, I think it's just that, but you always you always get sucked back into it. I think no matter what, even if it doesn't work out for me in the whole aspect of as, as making it my whole life as far as like a business, I'll never stop making music it's always going to be that hobby it's always going to be that fun thing that always attract me to uh, just create you know creating something from nothing and have people enjoy it and have people have it touch people in a certain kind of way no and i mean you've been doing like an amazing job of like uh what was the album beautiful mm-hmm. that was to me i mean i still replay it so <laughs> many times and it's so it's so great because yeah. even like I've seen from like the moment I met you, all your progression and everything. And um, I, guys, I'm going to keep saying this like so many times because it's true. Like I am a fan of my friend's work and and it's crazy because you, you there comes a time where you kind of like surround you. You kind of feel like you grow up from hanging out with like like your old friends that you used to. And, not, and I'm not saying like my old friends suck. No, not at all. But they push you to where you are right now and you surround yourself with so many different types of people that that kind of like just want to succeed together and you feed off each other and the the energy is amazing because even then i mean like i would go to the studio with uh with you and it would how long would we spend in the studio i think we would end up leaving most of the time at like five six o'clock in the morning and it was crazy because like our our lives consisted of us just coming out of work (laughs) Meeting each other up, eating before going, or even then saying, hey, we're just going to go straight there and yeah. just start working. And then we'll figure out food on the way. We'll Postmate it, we'll Uber mm-hmm. Eats it, whatever it was. But even then, it was just like the consistency of just working. And I mean, we've gotten to the point where it's like, I haven't seen you that much, but it's because you're we're both so busy. Mm-hmm. 
And what are you working on, like, at the moment? So, of uh, the moment... At the moment, I'm finishing up a um, project for um, one of my cousin's artists. My cousin goes by the artist name Push the Genre, who the album Beautiful was based on. And what's his it, name? Push the Genre. No, his name. George. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I which, just want which, you to say his name. Which yeah, is which, name. Which, which, <laughs> which can get very confusing. We're both named George. Um, yeah, I'll kind of touch, touch base on that real quick. So that was a project that we finished up and last year, which is the reason why we went to Amsterdam to finish up with a mixing engineer um, out there. But... Um, it was a, a whole project that we that we did. My cousin executive produced the whole thing, so he it's kind of did the whole like DJ Khaled concept where he thought of all the names uh, that he wanted on the songs and as far as what the song should be about, and he just had me kind of produce it. So the way that album kind of came about was he gave me a list of four or five inspirations for a song that he wanted to create, and he said, mm-hmm. I like this part of this song, this part of this song, this part of this song, this part of this song. I want you to make your song about this and then put your twist on it. So that's how each song kind of came about. Send the song back, he got the vocals on it, and that's how we kind of made that project. So that's how that kind of came. Uh, it's doing yeah, it was for Beautiful, right? Beautiful, yeah. Beautiful. And it's, okay. it's doing pretty well. We didn't push it that much on uh, advertisement, just Facebook advertisement, um, Facebook ads, and like, think a few instagram ads but um i think it's at over i think three hundred thousand plays on spotify three hundred thousand, uh, yeah a, a couple hundred thousand on apple music and then uh i mean it probably hit over a hundred over half a million streams right now for sure um there's one song alone um called light years on spotify it has over a hundred thousand streams so um it's yeah, it's doing pretty well um we never did any music videos for it which kind of regret but <laughs> Now we know for the next project. But the next one I'm working on now is my cousin's artist. His name is Cannon. Uh, an incredible, talented uh, artist. Per, you know, professional dancer, singer, songwriter, director, actor. Can do everything. Um, but Yeah, I've, I've seen his... I mean... It's ridiculous. It's 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 amazing. Yeah. I've seen his, like, just his films alone and everything. Yeah. I'm still kind of pissed you took him to the Star Wars thing. Though. But I understand. <laughs> I, I forgave you for that one. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, he's a huge, huge Star Wars fan. But, uh... Yeah, his actually his he just uh, directed and acted in the film. Um, it's going Star Wars? I'm just no, no, it's uh, it just got into the well, a couple months ago. It got into the Phoenix Film Festival. Oh, okay. So he's about to do that um, over there in Arizona. Yeah, because that's that's where he's from. That's where my cousin lives as well. But uh, I'm finishing up a project for him right now. We did a two part album. Um, it's called Superpower. It's a light side and a dark side of the album. So it's a two part project, and then one has more of a darker type of undertone, and one has a more of an upbeat. Um, uplifting kind of undertone um we did the dark side first uh we're finishing up right now it's in the mixing process um and when he was talking about the inspiration for this project he made an apple music playlist and he's like i want to mix between kanye k cuddy travis scott Chalice gambino kyle and frank ocean that was the inspiration okay. for this project which is kind of all over the place but when you hear it you'll hear the inspiration behind it and you'll understand no that's but exciting. yeah the, the the stuff is incredible um he definitely pushed me as an artist and as a producer. Um, I was able to make stuff that I never thought I was going to be able to make, ever. Yeah, because I remember you've been picking up the guitar more. Yeah, he had me do a lot of guitar on here. Like, uh, he, he brought me back to all my hardcore roots as far as, like, just heavy, like, grunge guitar riffs with these solos and just catchy melodies. And uh, we have a few songs on the record um, that are like that. And it's uh, it's awesome. Um I can't wait for that to be done. Hopefully, within the next, I'm thinking two to three months, it'll be out. As soon as we get it back from the mixing and mastering process, okay. um, we work on 
this is when it's going to have his time to shine as far as he's going to do all the visuals, artwork, oh, promo videos, music videos. He's going to go in and all this stuff, and I cannot wait to see some of that stuff. He showed me a couple snippets of what he's been working on. I'm excited. That's what I'm kind of waiting for right now. And then, besides that, just focusing on my stuff. I have uh, hopefully an EP coming out this year. That's my focus right now. Probably a couple more singles, but my actual Barood EP is going to be out this year, which is pretty much done. It's just gathering it all See, together. I was right. You've been keeping busy. <laughs> and it's, yeah, no, that, it's awesome. I mean, like, oh, wow, it's a, it's a lot of projects. But even yeah. then, I mean, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Uh, it's exciting, man. No, it is. Because... <clears throat> now I have two things: Jai Wolves, <laughs> Jai Wolves release, and then your your release. Yeah. Well, well, your two releases. And uh, do you know the name of the project? Like, what's it going to be called? Um, or? I don't know. I don't know just yet. Um, I think the one of the um concepts I have, I want to call it Breathe. Okay. One of the songs on on the project is called Breathe, and that's one of my one of the first songs we made for it. It's one of my favorites. Um, and. I think that's what I want to call it and have the constant behind it, but I'm not 100. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent yeah, yeah, yeah. sure yet. But that's what I'm kind of leaning towards right now. Because at first it was an album, then I said I don't want to do an album yet. I want to do an EP. So, and then it was gonna be nothing but singles. And then I just made my my my, my mind up that I want to go back to the EP process. So, I think <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do right now. Well, we can't wait for sure. That's no, that's amazing, and uh, I could. I'm proud of you, man. Thanks, like, man. I appreciate it's it. A, it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah and it's not work when you enjoy it oh very true very true <laughs> but even then like from all the work you're doing now like where do you see yourself like in the next five years or 10 years because i i know i know this bit this has been like a big big journey for itself and i, I could honestly say like from the last pat from the past two years sorry from the past two years it's been a lot of ups and downs for yep. sure mm-hmm so, five years. Five years. Um, is to, I want to be able to work with my, the artists that I've been looking up to for the past five years. I want to be able to get in the room with my idols, get in the room with Timbaland, get in the room with Pharrell, get in the room with Skrill, mm-hmm. and being able to make music for them, make, make music with them in the same room. I want to be able to record with artists that I've always looked up to. I want to make a song with Usher. I want to make a song with Trey Songs. I want to make a song with all those people that help me get to where I'm at. That's the goal for the next five years. And I think it's very doable. 100%. Yeah. This is your journey. This mm-hmm. is your legacy. This is this is what you're looking forward to. Yep. And I, I there, there's no doubt in my mind that it's it, it's going to get to that point. Yeah. We should have won in Mexico. Skrillex <laughs> was in Mexico. We could have just... I know. <laughs> Killing as always. The yeah. dude's amazing. It's incredible. I... I and, and no, it's funny, I mentioned Skrillex again, it's, I mean, he came from, what, post-hardcore? Post-hardcore background, yeah, from first and to last. Now, DJ, producer, mm-hmm. so. I mean, with him, people don't understand the fact that he's the one responsible for a lot of the pop music out right now. Like, oh, yeah. People don't realize uh, all, all the stuff he made for Bieber, Fifth Harmony, The Weeknd, that's all stuff made by him. It's all, even, he made music for the, he made, uh, like, the actual sounds for the Transformers movie. Oh, oh no! Yeah, like people don't realize how yeah. much of an impact he has on just pop culture alone. And, and even then, then, like I, he's he's uh, surprised me recently with uh, when it came out to what was that song, "Arms Around Me" or "You" by uh, it was a uh, XX Tentacion mm-hmm. and uh, Lil Pump, Maluma, 
can do a lot, man. And uh, Swali. Yep. And I didn't even know Skrillex until uh, uh, Jesse had pointed it out, and he was just like, "Oh, that's Skrillex," and I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's just like the matter of music. I mean, it, it has such a, a big effect on everything we do. It picks up our mood. It could make make us feel. <laughs> If we're sad, it can make us feel a little bit sadder. But even then, it's like, it's, I wouldn't say a sad sad, but like a good sad. Because mm-hmm. it kind of like, it's like that, you ever driving your car and like you're going through something or just thinking about or even like happy about something. And then like you just, I know maybe not a lot of people use a radio anymore. But even then, if you put your, your music on shuffle, that song that just plays just, it, it talks to you yeah. in some manner. Well, what has been like the biggest like I would say me, artist that has like spoken to you like through like everything you've gone through that's a tough one that's a tough 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 one um, because I know there's a lot yeah I mean I would say um, I think it's weird as it sounds one, one, one of the bands that I've always listened to since I got into rock music was a uh, newfound glory and i still listen to their stuff a lot even to their newer stuff but they have had a huge huge impact we went to go see them yeah oh, we went yeah, to we go did, see yeah. them at the observatory <laughs> last year for the 25 year anniversary tour but they're one of the artists that you know they made a huge impact on my life um like i said trey songs oh trey songs still the moment i uh you know really got into r&b and everything like that he i can listen to you know some of his older stuff and sing it line by line, you know, word before for word, you know, the old Usher stuff. Those are artists that, you know, I kind of mimic myself after because they've been around for so long, but they're still doing it and they're still successful and they're still killing it, you know? So those are some artists, I guess you would say, kind of still inspire me. Still inspire you. Yeah. Now, my last question for you would be, if you had a room, because uh, I remember you just uh, looking at... Uh, I remember you just saying that um, you had a chance to teach mm-hmm. uh, production mm-hmm. at Matrix. If you had a room filled with, let's say, 20, 20 students and they've never, ever produced, what could you tell them? Like, not just tell them what to do, but what would you tell them like, to just keep going? I would say um, one thing that I was kind of taught when I first started producing um, is that if you're not having fun, you shouldn't be doing it. The moment the fun gets comes out of the picture, out of the equation... That's when you should stop producing. You can't force it. It just has to come out. You have to have, to, you have, to have a good time doing it. If you're not going to enjoy your music, who will? Simple as that. No, it makes sense. Yeah. You want to be able to stream it and listen to it the most out of all your friends, all your family, because you want to be proud of it. So if you can't feel like that about the stuff you put out, then why put it out? I, I respect that. No, <laughs> I mean, even that, I mean, I... I've told you in the past that I bought like my own turntables and everything and I tried doing it, but yeah. it wasn't my thing. I I mean, I had fun being there and like experience it, but I couldn't see myself actually me doing all the actions and everything. Because mm-hmm. even then, I mean, to me, to me, when I started it, it was just like, it was just like some type of like funny joke to me because uh, my friend Jesse, he was doing it and I was like, oh, I could do it too. But then even then, I... I I saw how hard it was and like the moments that like bring you down and the uplifting moments where your song is getting played so many so, so many times and even then I mean like 
I, I can't remember. I think my name was like DJ Vader or something like <laughs> something stupid. But no, I from just I, I can't even say I like completely tasted it, but just seeing everything you've done, he's done, and like a bunch of the people that, like I said, that I surrounded myself with, which is like mostly music producers. Each one, each one of you have has gone through different things, mm-hmm. and you've had fun in your own way. Because I mean, like you don't really go out and drink. No, not so much anymore. Yeah, I, I was playing clubs when I was 18, 19 years old. Yeah, you know, twenty one over clubs where they thought I was twenty one, but I wasn't. <laughs> you know, so I was I was brought into that world very, very, very young. So I got out of my system very, very. Quick. So now it's you know now all my friends want to go out. They want to go drink. All they want to go party. Music. Yeah, they just want to go out and party and have a good time. You know, go the spend money on bottles. No, I was never into that i got into it for a little bit when i you know just turned 21 but i was already into that world for a long time i got to see it i was exposed to it so it's just not for me anymore well i mean now you're gonna be providing the the music for all the the next djs that's the goal yep that's the plan and then they the people at the club they they could get drunk off your music (laughs) that's 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 the plan yeah (laughs) they could do the fist pumping the dancing and everything yeah but well Thank you, George, for coming. I, I do appreciate you, you me, yeah. taking the time out of your day because I know you've been busy. And uh, I can't wait for all the work you've done. And guys, I mean, check out Beautiful. It, like you said, it's out on iTunes. It's out on Spotify. It's an amazing album. I, I It's very it's very blissful and inspirational. Especially, it's, it's, a, it's a good listen for whatever you're going through. Mm-hmm. If you just want to listen to good music, for yeah, sure, you, 100%. You can find it, uh, like I said, on every single music platform. It's under the artist name Push the Genre, all one word. And the album's called Beautiful. Awesome. And then, how could uh, how could my listeners find you? Um, I'm on everything social media related. Uh, DJ Baroud, DJ B-A-R-O-U-D. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um you can find me everything. Yeah, and Spotify, then I'll, I'll for sure put it in the details, guys, uh, so you could uh, catch up on everything he's doing and everything he's going to release in a couple months. Yep. Hopefully in the next two, three months, something will be coming out. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you again, George, for coming in. And then, guys, this was the Nomads of Tomorrow. Thank you, sir. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to the Nomads of Tomorrow. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and comment. Until next time, guys.